Beth, you have no idea. I couldn't stay away from it. C++ when I was really young. I got into Rust recently, but Elixir is my favorite right now. Literally went to coding camp when I was 12. <laughs> I'm that nerd. <laughs> You'd be in good company. Everyone here is that nerd. So, what drew you to security? Well, um, you know, I've just been increasingly interested in the area. All this new software developed to track physical locations, identities, the private stuff about yourself. Yeah, I just, I want to understand it better. I want to help people protect themselves. You know. I do. Realm presents Memory Lane Season 2, Episode 1. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Heather Lake Cabins. July 1st. Looking at my mother's expression, I'm racked with panic. Her eyes are wide with emergency. Um, Zarabeth, can you hold on a sec? I mute my mic, black my camera out, and look at Cassie. What? What is it? Cassie crosses her arms, waiting. Cassie isn't going to talk to me, it seems, until I get off the phone. Um, Alex? Sorry about that. I, I... I have to go. Oh, of course. I'll shoot you some times that work in my schedule. I turn my attention to Cassie. Worst case scenarios flash through my mind. Judith, she's come for us. Did something happen in the night? A reason we need to run? Where's Dr. Novick? But then a bemused smile appears on my mother's lips. <laughs> You've seriously forgotten? can't believe it. You wouldn't shut up about it last night. Last night? It's a blur. I'd tossed and turned on the unfamiliar lumpy mattress in a tiny musty cabin in the middle of the woods. It didn't help that my mother was sleeping in a twin just inches from my face, or that Cassie snores. How she can doze off in all this stress, I don't know. Though I'm guessing the bottle of tequila she found in the pantry has something to do with it. I consider my mom now. By the look on Cassie's face, it no longer seems like something that's life or death. I give up. What is it? Cassie spreads out her arms. <laughs> that cuckoo woman you love is going to be on the Daily Talk. Your personal hero? For a moment, it's like I'm in a pitch-dark room, trying to grab onto thin air. 
Maybe she drank too much last night or watched something on TV after I went to bed and now she's conflating fiction with reality. It wouldn't be the first time that happened. But then... I bolt upright, nearly knocking my laptop off the bed. Vanessa Yardley is doing a rare appearance on TV this morning. Oh my god, did I miss it? Nah, they said she was coming on after the commercial break. You're good. Oh, <laughs> guess I'm not the only flake around here. I was so focused on the interview, it just slipped my mind. I can't believe I forgot. But there's a lot jockeying for attention in my brain. I had my mom's terrifying memories swimming around after a memory transfer procedure went awry. I met my dad, finally. A brilliant doctor named Remy Novik. Except his memory is wiped. And, huh, oh yeah, I'm hiding from a psychopath named Judith. Literally fearing for my life. We fled the hospital immediately after we realized Dr. Novik, Remy, I'm starting to call him, had his memories taken. I remembered that Remy owned property at Heather Lake. So, now, here we are. All of us. Shacking up in the only cabin on the land that has heat, running water, and utilities. It's maybe 600 square feet. We've been here for nearly two weeks. <laughs> Just one big happy family. When I step into the living room, there's Remy, sitting on a threadbare recliner, nursing a mug of tea. He looks up at me benignly, no longer with the sharp, intelligent expression I remember. I guess having most of your memory wiped will do that. Morning. Good morning, Alex. I skirt around him for some coffee. I'm still uneasy around him. I notice Cassie giving Remy a cautious look, too. It's just so bizarre. Mostly, we've all been avoiding each other, which is impossible in this tiny house. I reach into my jeans pocket and curl my fingers around my stem, pressing my fingers in the proper combination. It's hard to describe what happens next. I can smell the printer ink and hear the voices and feel the hand on my shoulder. Next, well... Next, I feel a gentle, warm, blanketing feeling of calm. It doesn't last that long, but it's enough to slow my heart and steady my breathing. Tuning in. I'm here with our special guest, Vanessa Yardley. Now, it's hard to believe, but we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the Fidgestim device. And I heard you have some news about a new product <laughs> line in celebration of this milestone. That's right. But before we get to that, can you walk us through the journey you took to create the STEM? How did it start? Well, the idea for the STEM came to me about 10 years ago, but it was released following the rampant anxiety and mental stress due to the San Francisco attacks. Ah, uh, yes. I was a teenager when they happened, and my teacher stopped class to let us watch the news. The Golden Gate Bridge collapsed. Cars dropped into the water. People ran and screamed, and it was all televised. Do you remember the attacks? I glance at Remy. From what I gather, he remembers some things. Just not Cassie, me, Judith, or anything having to do with why he's here. Yeah, I, I, I just moved into a new lab. I had a few new assistants, and we all watched it from my computer screen. Where were you two? I turn to Cassie. She shoots me a look. 
We don't need to discuss that. I nod. The day of the attacks, we'd almost been evicted. Cassie had squandered our rent money on God knows what, and our landlord told us that morning that we had to get out. We turn back to the TV. The world was panicked. Anxiety was at an all-time high. Photo stills from the attacks flash on the screen. The burning bridge. Masses of terrified people running away from the blasts. And so, enter the stim. A salve. <laughs> I still totally think Ms. Fancy Pants's creepy devices are spying on us. Ugh, stims don't spy on you. Uh, you don't like stims, Cassie? I don't like Alex using a stim. Kinda thought she was better than having to depend on something like that. And I don't want her to turn out like me. I know how to handle myself. I, I didn't mean... It's fine. She raises the volume. And now, it's been five years since the stim has been on the market. Mm -hmm. It's changed so many lives. Images of various types of stims pop up. Cassie watches intently, sunk into one hip. Now, can you explain how a stim works? Of course. Every stim is unique to its user. When you get a new stim, you connect a few non-invasive electrodes to your temples so we can get a read of your brain patterns. Then, you're asked to upload a core memory to the interface. Something you always look back on with fondness. <laughs> a memory from when you were happy, and those general feelings are called forth when you enter your code. Now, can anyone else access it? Mm -mm, no, it's not transferable. It's your memory, no one else's. There are warnings on all stim packaging that people shouldn't share stims, and that's for good reason. Everyone's brain chemistry is different. Your idea of a dopamine rush could be too strong for someone else, right? And by too strong, do you mean adverse side effects like dizziness or brain fog, maybe changes in personality? Mm, those are very rare. And most of these are cases of people being hospitalized for using a stim that isn't theirs. They need to be used as directed. These devices aren't toys. You know, I don't think anyone thinks of these as toys. On the contrary. Some of your opponents argue there should be more safeguards in place to access one. Ugh. As it stands, you don't even need a prescription like you would for anti-anxiety medication. No, they are nothing alike. Okay, <laughs> you know, this isn't a medication. We're not using anything artificial. It's your brain chemistry. We're just amplifying the pathways already there, making sure there are no roadblocks along those pathways, if you will. <laughs> anyway, you know, once a user has uploaded their core memory, whenever they access their stim, they'll get that same good vibes feeling. She flashes a smile. <laughs> that was way more entertaining than I thought it would be. That reporter was trying to start something. Maybe, but she was saying what a lot of people were thinking. Cassie shrugs then. And I think she'll push it further. But instead, she says, Hey, Alex, I'm not sure I know your core memory. For my stim? Uh, <laughs> it's only fair. I gave you a dozen memories of mine. I bite my lip. Things have been going pretty well for Cassie and me. We've been cutting each other some slack. Which is why I don't want to tell her my stim memory. My mom wouldn't get it. She might even be offended that it isn't something about her. I point to the screen, deciding to change the subject. You can change it now if you want. Cassie's gaze moves back to the TV, albeit reluctantly. 
The segment is wrapping up. Vanessa Yardley adds that they're releasing a new STEM model this week. They'll administer a cleaner, less buzzy hit of dopamine, and they'll come with a sleek carrying case and five color options. Cassie cocks her head almost like she's interested. Then she switches the channel to a game show. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I roll my shoulders, drift to the front window, and peek out the crack in the blinds. This cabin faces several others on the property, including the one that belongs to Peyton and Trina, the two women we met on our road trip who, incidentally, also popped up, in younger forms, in the memories of Cassie's that had been transferred to me. Apparently, they live here. But they haven't been back since we moved in. Their house is locked tight. No lights in the windows. No car in the driveway. Cassie notices me watching. Still nothing, huh? Nope. I feel a spiral of worry in my chest. Another strange coincidence was that Peyton and Trina were frequent guests of Amizaj. They'd traveled there with Cassie on that long-ago road trip. Last we saw them, they were having a meal with Judith. Are they still there? What if something happened to them? In the hospital waiting room, after Remy was shot, I'd spoken with Peyton on the phone and warned her to leave. But I don't know if she did. Oh, Cassie and I freeze suddenly on high alert. The sound has come from the other side of the house. I turn off the TV, hit the lights, and twist the blinds closed. I motion for Remy to move away from the window and for Cassie to crouch down. Birds chirp. The old heater rattles. I tiptoe toward the back door and peek out. I don't see any shadows shifting in the forest. The VW van Cassie and I rented for our road trip sits half-hidden behind the trees. It's too ostentatious to have out in the open. After about five minutes, I slowly breathe out. False alarm, I guess. Cassie brushes dust off her chest as she rises from the floor. 
When are we gonna stop this, Alex? My heart can't handle it. I know. Maybe just a few more days? It's just, if someone wanted to do something to us, wouldn't they have done it already? She has a point. It's not like Heather Lake is that hidden. And I get the temptation to move on with our lives. I mean, I've just graduated from college. Before this bizarre memory journey, I'd been sending out resumes. When Zarabeth Anders got back to me about a job at Chameleon, it felt like divine intervention. The company develops apps that blend coding with criminal investigations. What if we found Judith through my work? I could take care of Cassie. And maybe even Remy. I'm still holding out hope that his memories might somehow return. But I know that this is wishful thinking. Cassie's never have, after all. But I'm also so scared about resuming normal life. Since we've come to the cabin, I've received a few more glimmers of Cassie's real memories implanted in my head after Remy's experiment, including more flashes of Amizaj. That place wasn't good at all. Judith had the air of a kindly mother, but was actually a madwoman preying on innocent people. And the thought of her coming back for us. <sighs> in fact, I see a flash of memory now. The picture sharpening until it's clear and precise in my mind. I'm in Cassie's body. I can feel the swell of her belly. She's pregnant with me. And through her eyes, I can see that she's at Amizaj, looking out a window. I recognize the swooping willow trees, the white gazebo, and the big rope swing. But then she turns. Now she's looking at something in a dark room. There's someone on a cot. Electrodes are connected to his head. But before Cassie, or I, can see more, Judith blocks the way, looking furious at the interruption. Cassie tries to push her aside. What did you do to him? How? How could you? It needed to be done, and you'll say nothing more about it. Judith clamps a hand around Cassie's upper arm, hard. I come out of the memory sweating. God, they always feel so real. Was that Remy? It had to be. It was the first time she erased him. And then Judith banished him from the property. Cassie's staring at me curiously. I've had enough memory flashes by now, she can tell when it's happening. What'd you see? Um, I just, I'm trembling with fear. This is why I don't want to go home. I don't want to see Cassie lying on a cot like that someday, her whole life stolen. Maybe if Cassie saw the same things I saw, she'd feel more afraid too. But before I tell her anything, my phone bleeds. I pull it out, frowning. Maybe it's Zarabeth calling back already? But then I see an alert. Peyton has a new post. I pounce on it, eager to see where she is. But when I click open the picture, my heart starts to pound. Hey, what's up? I show her the screen. Peyton sits on a familiar green lawn. It's the same lawn, in fact, that I just saw in Cassie's memory. She looks serene, almost relieved, as she gives the camera a thumbs up. Just had a treatment, reads the caption. Feeling good. A treatment?
I think of when Peyton and I spoke at the hospital. How worried she was that Judith was gone because she would be missing her treatments. Oh God, does this mean... Cassie points at the lawn on the screen, and then looks at me in horror. That's Ami's Zodge. She's still there? What does she mean, treatment? Who's treating her? God, what if it's Judith? What if she's back? I don't know what to think. Cassie grabs my hands hard, her eyes bulging. Alex, we have to go there. We have to talk to Peyton and stop Judith. But Judith's dangerous. She shot at us. So? You can't let Peyton keep getting these treatments, whatever they are. What if Judith's messing with Peyton's memory too, huh? And others. Hey, what do you think? She looks at Remy. Oh, well, it, it's hard to say. Cassie? It isn't fair for her to ask Remy. Without his memory, he has no context of the danger. We can't just let her keep doing this to people. I don't know about you, but I want answers. Okay, well, I'm scared. What if Judith is there? And she takes away my memory too. Or more of yours. I don't want to forget you. I don't want you to forget me. Cassie steps back. Her features soften. I know, honey, I'm scared too. But we can't live in fear. Hiding here just isn't the right call anymore. I fall down on the couch next to Cassie. She strokes my hair. It feels strange, admitting my innermost feelings to her. That's not usually our vibe. But maybe it's okay too. Because I am scared. I don't want Cassie to forget me. I don't want Cassie to be any less Cassie. <laughs> it's ironic. All my life she's been totally exasperating. But the idea of any part of her personality changing or being stripped away... <sighs> well, I just can't handle the idea of that. Well... So what do you think? Slowly. I stand. I'd need to clear my head, okay? Just... Just give me a minute. Well, I'm not sure how much longer I can wait. She starts pacing the room. Ansi is a caged lion. She walks to the front window, peers out, and then stomps the 15 steps to the back window and peers out that too. My legs feel heavy as I trudge back to the bathroom. Once I shut the door, I stare at my reflection in the mirror. Cassie has a point, and the idea that Peyton is receiving more of Judith's treatments is terrifying. But can we really go there? How can we stop these treatments from happening? I jump and whirl around just as an engine roars and tires squeal. When I run back to the living room, it's empty. Remy stands on the porch, screaming at something outside. What's going on? She, she's gone. He grabs his coat from the hook by the door. We run a few paces into the gravel drive. There's a cloud of exhaust where the VW bus just was. Tire tracks point straight to the main road. When I see that she's turned left, I have a sinking feeling I know exactly where she's headed. To Wamisaj. Without us.
You're listening to Memory Lane Season 2, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Memory Lane is written by Sarah Shepard, produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich, associate produced by Michael Coulter, and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Emily Wu Seller, Leanne Marie Dobbs, Elliot Schiff, Tiana Camacho, Julia Nippen, Mike Carnes, Lena Klingeman, Sherry Wishard, and Kaylin West. Directed by Amanda Rose Smith and Kaylin West. Produced by Kaylin West. Sound design and post-production by Tim Franklin. Editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Amanda Rose Smith with digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and Max Kuttner. Music supervision by Amy Parker. Cover design by Kendall Thomas. Special thanks to Ellen Goodlett.